0: Open up to Romans chapter 7. I, I challenged and encouraged you guys to read ahead and to be prepared. And I even gave you the three parts that we're going to do last last week, today, and then next time. How many of you guys were able to get this read for today? Excellent. That is more hands than, than average. So I am tickled about that. So that's fantastic. Uh, last week we looked at verses 1 through 6. And we saw Paul's uh, example, uh, illustration or picture, if you will, about how marriage relates to the law. Today, we're going to be looking at the purpose of the law uh, in verses 7 through 12. And then uh, next week, verses 13 through 25, we're going to be looking at the plight of the law. Um, So if you'll open up to Romans chapter 7, we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 12. Um, This is the purpose of the law. And I kind of gave this a kind of a quirky title. Uh, You know on Facebook how it puts on there how you can put your relationship status and you can have married or whatever. Uh, The title is Relationship Status, It's Complicated. (laughs) As we think about our relationship with the law, we kind of have a problem, don't we? Practically, as you live your life, you know that you're supposed to be dead to the law, you've been raised with Christ, you've been seated with him, and you know, you've done all this stuff, and yet within 20 minutes you're probably going to sin. And you think to yourself, man, I thought I was dead to sin, why do I keep on doing this? Well, you've got a bit of a complicated relationship with the law then, don't you? Because you're supposed to be dead to it, but you keep doing it, and It's like when you're driving and you know you're supposed to turn right, and all of a sudden you just whiz right by that thing. You know you were supposed to turn right, so why didn't you? You don't even think about this stuff sometimes. It's just because you're so wired to do this sin. It's hard to not do that, but you're not supposed to do that. So it's complicated, isn't it? It's just complicated. So today we're going to be looking at the purpose of the law to maybe get a better picture as to what's going on here. So, in one of golf's immortal moments, there was a Scotchman that was trying to demonstrate this new game to President uh, Grant. Does anybody remember President Grant? No. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. So, carefully placing the ball in the tee, uh, this guy took a great big swing. Have any of you guys played golf before? I am not a golfer. I've you've played golf. I I am not a golfer. You know, I have people tell me that I should learn to play golf, I should learn to drink coffee and all kinds of stuff, but I don't think I'm probably ever going to do either one. Although, if I'm going to take up one, it would probably be golf, because I just don't like coffee. Sorry. (laughs) But I remember trying to play golf and trying to hit the thing. I can't hit the thing, but you know what I can hit? The dirt. (laughs) I can hit the dirt. So this guy, anyway, this guy takes this mighty swing, and the club hit the turf and scattered turf all over the president's beard and the surrounding vicinity, and while the ball was still waiting there on the tee, sounds like something I would do. So the Scotchman swung again, and he missed, and he swung again, and he swung again, and the president is standing there waiting very patiently through six different tries. Eventually, the president got exhausted of watching this, and he says to him, there seems to be a fair amount of exercise in the game. But I fail to see the purpose of the ball. That sounds about right. Purpose. Purpose. We're going to be looking at purpose today. The purpose of the law. Let's read Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. What shall we say then? Is the law... Sin. Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet, but sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy. And the commandment holy and just and good. So today God wants you to see the purpose of the law. So we're going to be looking at this in three parts. Number one, the law's purpose in principles. The law's purpose in principles. What is it principally supposed to do? Second, verses 9 and 10. The law's purpose in preservation. The law's purpose in Preservation. And finally, verses 11 and 12, the law's purpose in purity. The law's purpose in purity. So, let's start to take a look at this. Verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? So, in other words, is something that causes me or helps me to see that I'm doing something that is evil, does that make that thing also evil? That's his opening question. The answer, of course, is certainly not. No way. It's not not bad. The law is not bad. Sometimes we have this thing where we see something that's bad, and we see something associated with it, and by process of association, now they're both bad. We need to not do that in this case. Just because we see evil things is said in the law does not mean that the law is bad, because we could say the same thing, like in the state of Iowa, the code of Iowa, the Legal system of the United States, is the legal system bad? Are the laws that we create bad? Well, maybe sometimes. But it isn't the laws themselves that are bad. It's not the law itself that is bad. What is bad? Your sin that is bad. So we need to keep the two apart. On the contrary, I would not have known sin through the law. So what is The purpose of the law in this principle, how do you know that you're a sinner and have done things wrong if somebody doesn't point it out to you? We have to have this code of laws so that we can say you're a rule breaker and here's the rule that you broke. Otherwise, if you wanted to go up to somebody and say, you know, you're separated from God because of all the sin that you've done, you know what they say? I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't killed anybody. I've never robbed a bank. Why is God going to judge me? I haven't done anything wrong. And so how do you show sinners that they, well, are sinners? One way is to walk them through the commandments. Well, have you ever cheated before? Have you ever told a lie before? Well, yeah, I have told a lie before. And they kind of get all... I guess I've stolen something one time, but it was, and you go, and then the excuses start to come out, but it was just a pack of gum, and it was when I was eight, you know, does that really count? Does it count, guys? Yes, it counts. Well, you know, it was a long, long time ago, you know, I'm, we get the excuses to come out. But we understand that we're sinners because we understand the law. If we walk through the law, you would be able to say that, yes, I've done this wrong, I've done this wrong, I've done this wrong, I've done this wrong, and I've done this wrong. And now you can see that since you've done those things wrong, that you are guilty of having broken those laws. Does that make the law bad or does that end up making you bad because now you're a sinner as a result of breaking those laws? See how this is kind of murky? Remember I told you the waiters? We've got to get the waiters out, guys it gets a little thick around here doesn't it but anyway this is what he's trying to say i would not have known sin except through the law the law is good because it helps us to see that we're sinners so how does this translate into evangelism how can we see the gospel in this if you're going to try to show somebody that they're a sinner let me put it to you this way if you're going to wake somebody up does a pail of nice cold water on the face work real good yeah better sure probably going to make more of an enemy than a friend (laughs) maybe they'll wake up but they're not going to talk to you (laughs) if you were going to wake somebody up you'd do it gently you know this morning when Hayden was still sleeping and we were trying to let's go let's go let's go what should I wake him up shake him and say hurry up and wake up is that how this works no I tried very patiently very slowly I had a little puppy dog and I was putting in his face like, wake up Hayden you know and he kind of rolls over, he opens up his eyes, and there's a gentler way to do things. And so if I'm going to try to show somebody that they're a sinner in God's eyes, I'm not going to take a bucket of cold water and slosh it in their face. I'm going to try a more gentler approach, okay? And so it's just a matter of showing somebody that they have broken God's laws, and they will stand condemned. This is one of the principles that we can learn. The purpose of the law is to help show people that they're sinners, so that they can see that the fact that they need help with their sin, because on their own, well, they're going to stand guilty before God. We need help as people, don't we? I know I do. I struggle by myself, and I have the power of the Holy Spirit, and I struggle. You think people without the Spirit are going to have any better chance? No, this is tough stuff. I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet. We understand this stuff because we understand the law. We kind of have a leg up on this stuff. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. What does that mean? Have you ever told a little kid, Don't go jump in the puddle. What happens man alive they go jump in the puddle don't pick up that pencil they pick up the pencil as soon as you're told not to do something you know as well as I do the first thing that you want to do is what you were just told not to do something inside of us I don't know if it's an ego thing I don't know if it's a something but we just want to do what we're told that we can't do. And so when the law comes out and says, don't go coveting, well, I want that now. Don't go stealing, don't go telling lies. What do you, you know, how long did it take after the Ten Commandments came down to Moses on the mountain? How long did it take before the ancient Israelites messed it all up? Any idea? not very long. Go read it for yourself in Exodus 19, 20, 21. It did not take them long. Welcome to humanity, right? We mess up, and we mess up big time. We mess up often. It's just the way it works, and as soon as somebody's told not to do something, they're probably going to go do it. It's just the way it works. So the law's purpose and principles is primarily to help us see the fact that we are helpless on our own and that we need a Savior. When we see ourselves as guilty as a result of seeing ourselves, you know, having been sinners, we understand that we need a Savior at that point. So in verses 9 and 10, the law's purpose and preservation. He says, I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. Like, literally died? Like, how's he still writing this then? If, he, if he's dead. One thing we have to understand, in, in the Bible, the word death, whether it's die, death, whatever, die has three different meanings. How many of you knew that? Anybody? New territory, All right! Okay, so the word die or death or something has three different meanings. It can either mean death as in physical death. It can mean death as in spiritual death. Or it can mean like eternal death. And so when he says that he died, is that physical death, spiritual death, or eternal death is what you have to ask yourself. Well, it's not physical death, because he's still writing some stuff down. So it's not physical death. Is it eternal death? Well, he's not, been, he's not at that point yet. Eternal death doesn't come until after you die. Because that would be, you know, in hell, you're now eternally dead. Well, he's not dead yet, so he's not... And I don't I'm pretty sure if you know, I don't know about a lot of people that have ever lived, but if there's one person that I would guess is probably a believer, it would be the Apostle Paul. So I'm gonna guess that he's not gonna experience eternal death. So what death is he talking about here? He would have to be spiritual death. Okay, so if that's the understanding that we have here, let's read this again. I was alive once without the law. And he was walking around, poop boo, boo 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 But when the commandment came, and he saw it. Sin revived and I died. He realized as a result of seeing the law that he was a spiritually dead person. We have to come to grips with the fact, people, that there are no three ways about your spiritual state before God. You are in one of two camps you are either spiritually dead before God with no hope of salvation, you're not a believer, you've never accepted Jesus, then on and on it goes. Eternal death is your destination. or you're spiritually alive. You've repented of your sins, you've accepted Christ as your Savior. You are working on things, you are on the right track and on the right path. And you know what I'm saying? There are no three ways about this. You know, people I've I've talked to that said, "Oh, you know, I you know I don't know if I'm a believer. I've been trying. It's a process." No, love you to pieces, but no, it is not a process. You are either born again. Or you are not born again. You are either a believer or you're not a believer. You are either on the right track or you're not on the right track. It's either the narrow way or the big way. There's no three ways about this. So you have to ask yourself, am I spiritually dead or am I spiritually alive? And your answer is, you don't have to say it out loud. But if you're going to write it down on a piece of paper, if you're going to, maybe we're, you know, in a... More private conversation or something like that, what would you say? Are you spiritually dead or are you spiritually alive? It is not rocket science to figure this one out. If you're spiritually alive, there are going to be fruit that comes from your life. And we talked about that last week the fruit that comes as a result of serving God. If you're spiritually dead, you're not going to have anything coming up. I mean, there's nothing. Uh, we can tell by speech, we can tell by action, we can tell by, by attitudes, we can tell by behaviors. And we can. I mean, it's not rocket science to figure out, you know, who's in what camp. That doesn't mean we're 100% right, because really nothing's 100%, except for that statement. But anyway, what is going on with you? So, there's something to be said about this. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So he knew himself as spiritually dead at the point of seeing the law and seeing himself as spiritually dead as a result of knowing the law, which is what he just said in verse 7. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. So how can I say that the law's purpose is in preservation because he says here in the commandment which was to bring life I found to bring death he says, the, he says that the laws the commandment is another word for law And when the commandment, or law, which was to bring life, it was supposed to bring life. It was supposed to be for preservation. Because you know what happens when we as people follow the law of God, what happens? Do you think life gets easier or harder? Easier. If your life is characterized and filled with lies, for example, that's a tough life. If you're somebody that's constantly cheating and stealing, life is a lot harder. If you're somebody that's constantly coveting somebody else's stuff, I'm telling you, life is a lot harder because you're going to have to face jail time and there's rules and authority always breathing down your neck. Oh, what a nightmare. I wouldn't want to live like that. But if you're somebody that that respects God and you respect the commandments and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're following the rules and you're living righteously before Him, and you're doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing, that will lead to a more harmonious life, a more tranquil living, more peace, serenity that will follow you all of the days of your life. When God says, this is how I want my people to live, it's not because he's trying to make your life harder. He's trying to make your life easier. He knows the rules. He understands how it goes. And you know, I tell my kids this all the time. when I say to my kids, just please clean your room. Is life easier or harder for them if they go clean their room? It's easier, guys. Is anybody awake? It's easier for my kids when they follow my rules. Amen? Anybody following this? Same thing's true with God. If we just follow His rules, life will be easier. There's a preservation that comes as a result of following the law. This law that was given was meant to preserve life. Is that what happened, though? Unfortunately, that's not what happened. Why didn't that happen? Because we messed it up. Can you believe that? We messed something up as people? This law, which is supposed to preserve stuff, preserve life, families, all sorts of infrastructure within relationships, is supposed to preserve those things. Because you know what happens when I have a friend and I cheat on his wife with him? Or her, or whatever? Do you think we're friends any longer? If I if I steal $100 out of your wallet, ladies, because you went to the bathroom and I go into your purse and I steal $100 from you, am I preserving our friendship at this point? No. When I am a lawbreaker, nothing is preserved. But since there's a law that says, do not steal, and if I follow that law, I will preserve our friendship. The purpose of the law is in preservation. The problem is, and the reason that I called this It's complicated is because oftentimes we fail to do what we're supposed to do and it only ends up complicating stuff. Relationships, not only with each other but with God. I fail to follow the principles set forth by the law and I lose the preservation that it was intended to have with everything. Everything. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. What kind of death? Spiritual, Spiritual death, uh, initially, and eternal death. Excellent, Vicki. It will ultimately bring eternal death. Eternal separation from God. If we as people don't see ourselves as sinners in the eyes of God and we repent of that sin, if we don't do that, It will lead to eternal death one day. And the preservation that the principles were supposed to uphold will be gone. Finally, in verses 11 and 12, the law's purpose in purity. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. How bad is your sin? Do you really see it as awful, as really abhorrent, terrible, horrible, just awful? And it's bad, not only because of what it does interpersonally, but because it separates us from God, which only leads to more and more tragedy and heartbreak and the relationship that we have with God is just not there. And one day we're going to have to pay for that. Therefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. So, as we think about the purpose of the law, it can bring purity and clarity to how I'm supposed to live my life. Because it's really, it can be really tough. Sometimes there are a lot of unclear things. And unfortunately, the Bible doesn't always refer to every single situation and circumstance. I wish that it addressed every last little situation that we face in life. You know how nice it would be to just say, Second Opinions chapter 3 and verse 12 says, Doubt shalt not go to movie theaters. Or, Doubt shalt not do this, or thou shalt do that. You know how nice it would be if every last little detail was put in there. But God gave us a brain and He's given us His Word and we're supposed to take those two things and come up with what the mind of Christ would be for different situations. And this law is meant to provide purity and clarity for how to live life without giving you every last little detail, because it doesn't. This is something that I've been trying to teach Paul. He's a special kid, and we love him nevertheless. But it's tough for him to try to pick up on this stuff. I'm trying to teach him principles, not rote memory on how to address and handle situations. That's not what God did, is it? He didn't just give us rote memory. He gave us some rote memory stuff. Don't kill, don't steal. Got it. But he didn't do that with everything. But you know what he did do? He's given us principles. He's given us preservation on how to handle some of those rote memory deals to provide for some purity and clarity over situations that he did not address. So how do you... Interpret this law which is good and holy and just so that you can live a life which is ultimately well pleasing in his sight. We should not see the law as awful or bad. There are a lot of people that, that see the law, you know, that maybe they see a police officer and they immediately hate the police, and they immediately hate the law that it stands for, and it's all bad, and they've done nothing wrong, and woe is me, and don't arrest me, I wasn't doing anything wrong, and the next thing you know, they're in, they're in the jail, and all kinds of horrible stuff happens, when in fact, that this law is supposed to provide for some preservation and purity within its principles, and so my challenge to you we are supposed to be dead to this law while still using the principles and, and preservation that it was designed to have originally so that we can have purity in our lives going forward as we serve people. Let's pray.